This is the Monday, June 7th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. Another week starting, and we are all in studios. You get three of us uh, ahead, and we're going to set the table in the NBA playoffs. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I am Doug Kazarian, alongside Joe Fortenball and Tyler Fulgham. We are running the three-man weave here. In studios, we have an early TV show. Quite formal attire for a podcast. I'd like the uh, for the record to show that we do look quite good this morning. Yeah, clean shaven, uh, just ready to rock pocket squares galore. All right, let's talk some uh, hoops. Uh, so big storyline this weekend was obviously James Harden playing less than a minute. He, it looks like he's probably going to be out for the series. Uh, we definitely know it's going to be out tonight. Nets still favored on their home court, albeit only laying one and a half as opposed to a higher number a couple days ago. In game one, obviously, with Harden. So, uh, Bucks laid an egg from shooting, not just distance, but just outside the paint in general. And I understand the concept of positive regression, mm-hmm. but I think it's sort of like it's getting a little too much weight as everyone's assuming the Bucks going to win this game. Well, that kind of puts a real damper on what I'm about to say <laughs> right. because that's exactly my analysis for this game. I took a massive bath on that over in game one. And it was trending well, first quarter, second quarter, even without Harden, it was looking fantastic. And then the Bucks stopped knocking down shots. Middleton and Holiday had combined 13 of 42. So again, let's ask ourselves if we see that happening. We won't, it won't, it'll, it'll won't. be better. It should be a little bit better. I think there were a, a, a variety of factors that contributed to what we saw, which was eventually 222 points. And now you've got the total dropping from 239 and a half in game one to 233 and a half in game two. I like that. I think that's a big over adjustment which is why I'm going to come back to the over. Milwaukee was a top five three-point shooting team during the regular season. It's not like they were terrible. And they went out there and they shot 20% from deep. So I think you're going to get a little bit of improvement there. Middleton and Holiday, a little bit of an improvement. If you watch the second half, Milwaukee was so bad and down so big, the Nets were able to take their foot off the gas. Even without Harden, they were scoring in the first half. But the second half, no one felt the need to push the pace at all in the fourth quarter. And we still got the 222. So you factor that in, plus some improved shooting. I think we can get over 233 and a half. I think that number is cheap. And I do, like Joe, think that the regression coming from Milwaukee has me not just taking them at plus one and a half, two, depending on where you get it, but money line. I think they win this game. I think they win this series. Before it started, I picked them because they can play defense. The Bucks cannot, or the, uh, pardon me, the Brooklyn Nets cannot. James Harden being out only helps. You mentioned the regression coming from two principal offensive sources. Giannis was great, but Holiday and Middleton were garbage, shooting 30% from the field. That won't happen again. And the team only 20% from downtown. As far as some props for this game, Drew Holiday over 12 and a half assists and rebounds. He led the team in minutes played. So he's being thrown out there by Coach Budenholzer. And he hasn't had fewer than 14 assists and rebounds in any of his last seven games, including the five he's played so far in this postseason, averaging 16.3 assists and rebounds during that stretch. Chris Middleton, regression coming from the shooting there. I'm going over 21 and a half points. Just six of 23 from the field in game one, 13 points. He, alongside Drew Holiday, played 36 minutes. They led the team, not Giannis. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, 36 minutes, most time on the court. And as long as he shoots that much, he should be much better. And Kyrie Irving, over six and a half assists and a double-double. I said this all the time during the regular season. When Irving and Ky- uh, when Irving and Durant were on the floor together and Harden was out, Irving soaked up all of that play creation, initiation that was James Harden's duty. He had eight assists in game uh, one, which would go over this number. And if we did, they just knock down a few more shots or he gets doubled a few more times, you can get that double-double at plus 400, 425. But the assist at six and a half, I think, is really too low for a guy who had eight without Harden in game one. Quite the healthy card for one game. Yeah. Nice you. way to start the week. I'm with you on the Drew Holiday. Actually, there's a view, viewer who tweeted at me that prop has hit over every 
playoff game. So I'm going to piggyback it as well. I like the Giannis over as well. Uh, believe it or not, this Jeff Green injury is significant. He's, he, he played at least 33 minutes in all the regular season meetings, and he's kind of the primary defender on Giannis. And I feel like the Nets' defense is taking away the outside shots and letting Giannis either drive or whatever. They're going to let Giannis eat, I think. And he's going to attack as well. And I think there's a giant mismatch, whether it's Blake Griffin, whether it's Claxton. So I like the Giannis over. That was a play I had over the weekend. But just going back to this Bucks nets regression thing, I get that Blake Griffin and Mike James combined for <laughs> 6 of 13 from 3. But they were wide open yeah. because they moved the ball around the perimeter. Like, I don't know if they're going to all of a sudden not make six threes on 13 wide open shots. Now, Mike James got a little crazy with some of the step backs, and so I'm not expecting some of that. But I will say, if Blake Griffin's wide open at the three, I'm expecting him to make it. Keep shooting. Keep shooting. Okay. For the over, yeah, so that'd I be like fantastic. that you're on the over, too, because everyone's dismissing some of the stats we saw from the Nets. It's like, I don't know. Those guys are pretty wide open. I learned my lesson in Portland, Denver. I kept thinking, you know, regression's coming. But when everyone is wide open on literally every three-pointer, which is yeah. what happened for Portland through the entire series, you expect them to make a higher percentage. Denver could not cover them. And I imagine Buds is going to continue to kill the minutes. But at some point, these guys are going to play enough minutes. And therefore, the better shooters are playing more minutes. You would think. You would think. <laughs> you would think. You would think. All right, let's go to the other uh, playoff game. It's a game one. Nuggets and Suns. Uh, look, both teams took care of business on, on the road in game six. Obviously, injuries playing a role with each team. Uh, we're not sure about Chris Paul. Obviously, the Nuggets are getting a little healthier. Just no Jamal Murray, of course, but we might see Dozier. We might see Barton, which obviously would be a nice shot in the arm. I'm, uh, I think the dog is live here. And as much Ooh. as I love the Suns, and I've talked about them at full strength, I think they're a very good team. I, I wonder if we're not appreciating Jokic as much. Like, for example, I don't think we should look at Austin Rivers in a vacuum here or Compazzo, or even uh, Monte Morris. I think it's alongside Jokic, he makes him better. It's just that simple. That pass he threw, was it Porter Jr. in the corner when he had he broke ankles basically on cutting? Passing is incredible. He called for the cutter, knowing the defense would have to collapse and free up Porter. He's just, he's kind of like LeBron. Like, you can, he can put a bunch of stiffs with him, and he makes him that much better because he attracts so much attention. So, I'm not ready to just dismiss this Nuggets team just yet. I agree with you on that. The Nuggets are... An extremely mentally tough team yes. because of Michael Malone and a very hard team to guard because of Nikola Jokic and his unique unicorn ability, spatial awareness on the floor. I'm not going to bet the full game because I do believe the Nuggets can win this game. However, I think there's going to be an adjustment period stepping up in class from a team that defends like Portland to a team that defends like Phoenix. So I'm going to lay the two in the first half with the Suns, who I think are rolling right now with momentum. Devin Booker is hot. Chris Paul with that shoulder bruise had some time off to get it healthy and get it right. And again, this is just going to be a big step up in class for this Nuggets team, especially in game one, a shock to the system, so to speak, to see someone like the Phoenix Suns. Nikola Jokic, uh, not unprompted, but asked who gave him the toughest guard of any of the bigs he's played in the NBA this season. He said DeAndre Ayton. Hmm. DeAndre Ayton was his verbal answer to who guarded him the most difficult. So I think Jokic will get his 30 points, 10 assists, eight, 10 rebounds, 8 assists in this series. But I do think there's going to be some adjustments from Michael Malone that take some time. So I'm going to lay the two in the first half with the Suns and then Devin Booker over 29.5 points. Don't love it as much as some of the other props I gave you, but Book did have 30 
in four of the six games he played against the L.A. Lakers, and that team is a better defensive team with better perimeter defenders than this Denver Nuggets team. So I think Book's going into kill mode here in the postseason. This is a guy who scored 70 points in a game before. He's one of the best pure bucket getters in the NBA. They're going to need him to score because Jokic and Porter can do that, even against a defense like the Suns. So I'll go over 29.5 because I think Booker's going to need to average 30 in this series. I'll lay the five with the Suns. I liked it at four and a half, a heck of a lot better. But if it's at five now, so be it. Not to fly in the face of what you were saying, Doug, because I think for the series, this is going to be a lot more competitive than some might be willing to say based on what we just saw from Phoenix. But I think as both teams move off of their first-round series to each other, it's a huge advantage in Game 1 for Phoenix. Phoenix just played a very tough defensive team in the Lakers. They had to deal with LeBron James, not just LeBron on the court, but the aura of LeBron. Remember, there weren't a lot of people who wanted to buy into Phoenix because we hadn't seen it done before. Imagine the confidence in that locker room now, not only that you've won a playoff series that you show you belong, but that you beat the Lakers and LeBron James, right? And you got past that defense and you found ways to score. You're not going to have issues defensively trying to score against the Denver Nuggets. Like I said, against Portland, Portland shot over 40% from three in that series. Phoenix is a top 10 three-point shooting team. They'll be able to get theirs. So in terms of what they want to do offensively, I like that. And then on the flip side, to your point, Tyler, with Denver, this is a big step up in terms of trying to put the ball in the net. Against Portland, you can score at (laughs) will. They're not stopping anybody. Phoenix is the only team outside of Utah in the NBA that was top four in both offensive and defensive rating when playing at home during the regular season. There was a three-game home stretch in late January where they lost all three games. Since that time, 26-6 and straight up at home, 22-10 and against the number, outscoring the opposition by 10 points per game. So I will lay the points in the first game. All right, sounds good. Just quick baseball before we uh, let everyone go here. Anything uh, you, you like? You're on the Red Sox, Joseph? I am going to be playing actually the Marlins, okay. plus 135 against Boston. So Boston just swept the Yanks. I love the spot for Miami because of that sweep. Sunday night baseball last night, it went extra innings. They had to use six different pitchers. Now you got to get ready for a quick turnaround against the Marlins. Easy to overlook, but remember, it's going to be Pablo Lopez for Miami. 2-8-2 ERA this season, two or fewer earned runs in eight of his last nine starts. I like the plus money there on Miami. I got a a money line underdog today, uh, the Kansas City Royals plus 110 against the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Dylan Bundy's on the bump for the Angels. 0-6 this season, 6-4-9 ERA, 1.35 whip, and 2.1 homers allowed per nine innings. He's given up seven long balls in each of his last three starts combined, so he's just been someone who is struggling right now. Meanwhile, Jackson Kowar, Kowar? I don't know if you live in Gainesville. Let me know. He's a Florida Gator. How to pronounce that last name. Making his MLB debut for the Royals. This guy's a stud prospect. 5-0 this season at AAA Omaha. 0.85 ERA. 0.88 whip. And a 33.9% K rate. With the Angels lineup missing Mike Trout and only really having Otani and Rendon to deal with. I think he can work through this lineup. Limit some damage. And as long as Bundy... Pitches like Bundy has and gives up a few long balls to the Royals, I think they can win as a plus-110 money line underdog. I like the young guy debuts because there's very minimal scouting report exactly. for the opposing team there. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, betting trends, if you will, that major league pitchers on their debut is actually like a good trend. It's uh, like four or five games before they have enough tape on you to figure out. like the out. new coach thing. Like, and this one's a good one. It's not like a guy <laughs> who had a four ERA in AAA. He had a sub-one ERA in AAA, so he's got great stuff. 33% K rate. He uh, could mow down the Angels today. All right, so that's going to do it for the pod. We're going to, you know, we start off on the right foot with three of us here in the Daily Wager studio. We will uh, see you back here tomorrow. And don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. It really helps us out. 